0: Now, open our Bibles. Again, we'll read the text, the message this morning Genesis twenty nine, starting at verse thirty one. Genesis twenty nine, verse thirty one to chapter 30, verse 24. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also and she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, "'Now this time my husband will be attached to me, "'because I have borne him three sons. "'Therefore his name was called Levi.' "'And she conceived again and bore a son and said, "'This time I will praise the Lord.' "'Therefore she called his name Judah. "'Then she ceased bearing. "'When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, "'she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant Bilhah. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, Good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please, please, Give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages, because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me, because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Beloved... Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the names we give our children express our perspectives and feelings at the time that our children are born. In our text, the names of the sons of Jacob are shown to be an expression of the feelings and circumstances of their mothers. And the Holy Spirit reveals all that is happening in an interesting way. He does so through the names that the women give their children. He uses the names to tell the story. It is not a happy story. A lot of this has to do with the fact that Jacob has two wives, which is not how God established marriage at the time of creation when he said that each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The situation is complicated by the fact that These two wives, Rachel and Leah, are sisters. Something which God expressly forbids later in the law of Moses. You can see that in Leviticus 18. So we have Rachel and we have Leah. And they want to be valuable and they want to be valued. But they are dissatisfied with their own lot in life. And each looks at the other sister with envy for what her sister has. And so the birth of the nation of Israel through whom God brings the Messiah was happened in in the midst of much sadness. The sadness of an unloved wife. The suffering of a barren woman. The rivalry between sisters who were seeking their honor, their sense of fulfillment in the prize of children. The names that Rachel and Leah gave to their sons turn out to be public declarations. Public declarations that would turn out to be the names of the tribes and the states of Israel. They are names that would find their way onto the breastpiece of the high priest as he approached God in the temple. They are names that would find themselves later we read in Revelation written on the gates of the New Jerusalem, names that we will continue to see. Behind these famous names of Israel's tribes, we can hear the cries of unhappy women as they seek fulfillment in their task, as they cry out in search of love, of justice, and of peace. The church in the New Testament, thats us today as well, we recognize the cries. We recognize the cries for they come from the human situation. But we also recognize what we read in Colossians 1. As these women are crying, we have a very clear picture of our Lord Jesus Christ standing above it all and seeing all things. The firstborn of all creation who is before all things and holding all things together as head of the church church. He is the one standing behind the women and using them to give birth to the nation of Israel so that he might enter into the world through their families and allow them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light, as we read in Colossians 1, verse 12. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, only the Messiah in Judah's line can fully answer the cry of Israel's mothers. We will see that Israel's mothers cry out. In the second place, Israel's Messiah answers. This whole part of Genesis that we've been reading and studying, hearing proclaimed to us, it shows several times how important families were, especially at this time in the church. If there ever was a time when Paul's instruction in 1 Timothy 2 verse 15 was understood, it was now in the time when the very church depended on women giving birth. Women, said Paul, were saved through childbearing. As Abraham and Isaac waited patiently for their wives to conceive a child, they recognized that women who could give birth to children were absolutely necessary for the growth of the family, the tribe, the nation of the church. We can be sure that Jacob then at this time in the history of redemption was very relieved when Leah gave birth to her firstborn son Reuben and even more so when Simeon and Levi and Judah followed, especially as we read since Rachel was barren. That's in verse 31. Leah, in this sense, we could say with Paul's instruction, Leah saved the family, but where did that leave Rachel? In Genesis 30, verse 1, we read that Rachel was envious of her sister. If you look at the two children that Rachel had through Bilhah, it shows that her focus in life was this competition with her sister. Dan, it means God God has judged me. He has given me a son. Naphtali speaks of the wrestlings, the mighty wrestlings. I've wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. Being beautiful and being loved by her husband was a small consolation for this woman who doesn't feel useful. Rachel cried out to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Although the Lord has created the woman as a helper fit for man in all the tasks of earth, and also today we should remember that that first purpose of marriage isn't actually even children. And although God created the woman as a helpmeet for her husband, Rachel explained that without her own children, she feels as if she were dead you see there also the, the pressure of the expectations of others on these women who could not have their own children made them feel as if they were dead. Again we are warned brothers and sisters not to idolize children to the extent that it causes the suffering for others. Rachel explained to Jacob that without her own children she feels as, as though she were were dead wrongly. She, she believed that her entire purpose in life and even her value before God was connected directly to her children and so she cries out Jacob make me valuable. Instead of assuring her of her value as a helper in the relationship of marriage that's what Elkanah had done to his wife Hannah when she was looking for children Instead of doing what we as husbands also ought to regularly do with our wives to affirm them for who they are as God has made them in in his image, Jacob gets angry with Rachel. And then he wrongly confirms Rachel in her ideas by telling her that only God could make her valuable and only by opening her womb. Rachel is not comforted by her husband's words. And perhaps remembering how Sarah gave her servant Hagar to Abraham, Rachel finds a way to become valuable in her her husband's sight. We read in verse 3 that Rachel said to Jacob, Here is my servant Bilhah. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf, so that even I may have children through her. Rachel presented Bilhah, her servant, as a surrogate mother who would give birth, and, and literally the Hebrew here says, give birth on my knees." She would give birth on Rachel's knees, so that Rachel could build her own house through Bilhah. Leah does a similar thing with Zilpah in later verses when she thought she couldn't have any more children. Now, although the seventh commandment shows that God does not approve of anyone coming between a husband and a wife, it is very possible that it was culturally acceptable. It was a culturally acceptable solution to give your slave as a wife to your husband so that you could get a child for yourself without ever giving the place or position to the woman who gave birth possible that Laban even gave these servants to his daughters with this purpose in mind. And so Rachel and Leah received children through their servants. It seems that it did bring some relief to their suffering. Rachel felt more valuable in the home and Leah felt that the women around her now would look at her and call her blessed and fortunate. But the text shows that this human solution to their problem did not answer their longing. And we see that even after these children, the, the women are, are crying out. You can see that in the name Issachar that Leah gave to her her son. You could see it that when Rachel finally did have her own child. She said, "Now my disgrace has been removed." So, if being loved by her husband was not enough to bring a, to bring Rachel a sense of fulfillment, and a building of the family of God through another woman's child was not enough. We ask, would it be enough if Rachel gave birth? to her own son and then we look at the end of the passage in verse 22 you see that God remembered Rachel and removed the shame of her barrenness and she gave birth to a son but we also see that even this child did not bring her that contentment that she was looking for she named him Joseph saying may the Lord add to me another son It seems that if our standards are incorrect, it is impossible to feel valuable enough in the eyes of others. Envy drives us to always want more, but more is a disappearing horizon like tomorrow that never comes. Rachel wanted more children in the hopes that she would be more valuable. Leah had four sons of her own, two more through her servant Zilpah, and then she managed to have even more children afterwards. Leah was more valuable to Jacob in terms of children. But she also suffered because she was not valued by her husband. And So when we look at the passage speaking of Leah, we read sometimes the word hated, verse 31 and verse 33. But we need to understand that the word hated should be read in the context of Genesis 29, verse 30, where it says that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. That probably means that although Jacob then didn't harm Leah, he simply didn't love her, perhaps he even ignored her. Children couldn't guarantee love and a happy relationship Leah made it clear that she longed for Jacob's love. And so every time that Jacob would call, his old, call for his oldest son, Reuben, he, he, he would hear Leah's voice in the background. The Lord saw Leah. Why don't you love her? And when he called his second son, Simeon, the meaning of Simeon's name would remind him, the Lord knows. He heard that you don't love Leah. And even Levi, as Jacob called for him and said, Attached, attached, please come over here and help me with this or that, he would be reminded of Leah's longing to be attached to her husband. Leah's later sons are no better. She found her delight in the good fortune, Gad, of having children and craved the praise of other women who saw her as happy but she was always looking for more. The whole story of the mandrakes shows the the situation, goes to show how desperately Leah was looking for love. Although we can't be sure, it's most probable that mandrakes are the modern day, and here comes the technical scientific term for the flower, the Atropa mandragora. Anyways, it's a plant that has coarse Uh, and and lettuce-like leaves, and a root which is large and spindle-shaped when when it often divides in a forking manner so the fruit actually, the root actually looks like a human form. There's a whole bunch of legends surrounding this plant. and Whether it was simply simply a, a rare delicacy, perhaps like huckleberries. Today you're hiking and you find some special berries, huckleberries on the side, or whether it was because the plant actually had narcotic qualities, like finding a a tobacco plant or something. Rachel liked mandrakes, and so she asked for some mandrakes. She heard that Reuben found some. She wanted to have some as well. There doesn't seem to be any connection to Jacob, to the relationship with Jacob in her request. So Leah's reaction is very strong. It shows that all that Leah can think about is that Rachel spends more time with Jacob than I do. And so Leah says, hey, Rachel, I heard, or Leah, I heard your son found some mandrakes. Could you mind if I I have some? And she says, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes as well? Leah couldn't see Rachel without thinking About the time she had with Jacob, children were not enough to satisfy Leah. She longed for this meaningful relationship with her husband. And then after Rachel trades the mandrakes for one night with Jacob, Leah comes out to the field. She shames her husband for letting the distance grow between them. And she says, I have hired you for one night with my son's mandrakes. And now Jacob would have to call one of his sons wages. Which made the other son, Zebulun, honored almost seem like a joke. Although she was valuable and she knew it, Leah was not valued. That left her unsatisfied. That left her unfulfilled. The Holy Spirit says in Proverbs 30 verse 23 that the earth trembles and cannot bear up when a woman is an unloved wife. And so like so many women today, Leah cried out. She cried out for a longing or for a loving and a meaningful relationship with her husband. And as we read through all this, as we look at the names of the sons of Jacob, we we see very clearly the point that nothing that either Leah or Rachel did brought Contentment. They could never feel valued enough. They could never feel valuable enough when they looked around at the situation around them. They were looking to other people to validate them. And although each had a unique blessing on this earth in their family, one being the loved one, the other being the mother of children, they kept looking. They were unhappy. They were seeking fulfillment. Every time, That an Israelite saw the names of the tribes of Israel. Every time that we see the names of the tribes of Israel, we could still hear the cries of the mothers. Where can I find justice? Where can I find fulfillment? Where can I find love? The answer of scripture is clear. Look in the line of Judah for there you will see the Messiah's answer. Genesis 30 repeats the cries of Israel's mothers to to empathize with us and to emphasize the disappointment of the sinful world. And so it calls us all to lift up our eyes to heaven to see the Lord Jesus as revealed in Colossians 1 that we can find our joy and purpose in the one who loves us so much. We read in Genesis 29, verse 13 to 30, verse 24. And as we're reading that, we see that the Lord is at work. Both at the beginning and the end of our text, like two bookends to the passage, the Holy Spirit reveals that the Lord comforted Leah by opening her, wound, her womb. And the Lord remembered Rachel by giving her her very own son. You see the Lord is at work behind our text. And although Jacob's family could not find comfort and fulfillment and satisfaction because they were living according to the opinions of others, to the opinions of their husbands and their sisters and and their society, and that these opinions became more important than what God was saying and doing We do see that the Lord also blesses this family with one son, Judah, who would be more important than the other sons. You can see that even in how it's developed in the first three sons. All Leah can think about is that her husband doesn't love her. Three times she gives birth to a son, and and you can see her hoping, maybe now my husband will love me. Maybe now. Maybe now. And then Judah is born. And it seems that finally she gets it. Finally Leah seeks her fulfillment outside of herself, outside of her husband's opinion and in the Lord who saw her when Reuben was born, who heard her when Simeon was born, who attached himself to her when Levi was born, and we read that very important verse, verse 35. Leah says, This time I will praise the Lord. Her reward for her humility was greater than she or Rachel could have ever guessed. God's special favor to Judah was first revealed in Genesis 49 when Jacob gave Judah a very special blessing calling him a lion that all his brothers would would bow before him. He would have the, the staff, the ruler's staff in his hand for for all time. And then we can see that in the Old Testament with the competition between Rachel and Leah in the background, the Lord reveals that it is Judah and not Joseph that will be used in God's plan. We'll sing about that in Psalm 78. It comes from verses 67 to 68. And then the prophets, they keep saying, Judah, 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 the Messiah will come from the line of Judah in Bethlehem of Judah. Judah will possess the mountains of the Lord, Isaiah 65 verse 9 the author of Hebrews in chapter 7, verse 14, he says it simply. He says, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. Revelation 5, verse 5, tells tells us that in the glory of heaven, the elders will look upon the victorious Lord Jesus Christ and they will call him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Leah will hear the name that she chose for her son being used in the glory of heaven to praise the one who is the image of the invisible God through whom and for whom all things were created. This time I will praise the Lord, says Leah. And God allows her the privilege of being the mother of our Lord who is the hope of all the families on earth. So this passage we have today is primarily a text that teaches us about the the building up of the house of Israel through Rachel and Leah. As it leads to Judah's line, Ruth 4, verse 11, that's how we see a reference to this passage. Our text reveals that the Lord Almighty used real men and real women, sinners like we are, To bring his son Jesus Christ into this world. Our Savior, our Messiah, came into the world through a nation that came from one man, two wives, two maidservants, and a ton of God's grace. The Lion of Judah humbled himself to enter into a human race that is crying out for love, for peace and unable to find fulfillment in themselves. And the gospel message is that he fully answers the longing of our hearts. Israel's Messiah is present in our text as the hope of the nation that was still being born to envious, disheartened, and sad, angry, and struggling parents. When we believe in Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah, who allows us to fulfill our mandate to have families with a new perspective, the vertical perspective. He is the Savior so powerfully described in Colossians 1, who is preeminent in everything, making peace in his blood. And so we see, brothers and sisters, when we lift up our eyes to him, look what that does to your life. Look what that does to your marriages. Look what that does to your families. Leah and Rachel desired to be valuable and valued, but because of envy, because of the rivalry of the sisters, because of the divided love of a husband and their inability to have children at will, they were not satisfied. We know that in this life, we will be disappointed in ourselves. We will be disappointed in others and in others' opinions. That is, until we lift up our hearts and lift up our eyes to God in heaven. The Messiah does not consider Leah to be nothing more than a baby factory for a man that doesn't love her. But he sees her as an instrument in his almighty hand through whom he could change the hearts of husbands so that they begin to love their wives as Christ loved his church. God's answer for the lonely, unloved wife who feels she has been used by her husband is not like the world's answer. The world says, forget it, stand up to him, fight back. But he says, no, look to me, look to me and I will satisfy the longings of your heart. The Messiah tells the barren woman that children cannot be a measure of how valuable you are in God's sight, since your value cannot depend on something that God doesn't give you. If you want to see how valuable you are and how valued you are, Consider the answer of your Messiah. Look to see what he has done for you. And when we attach the names of the sons of Israel to the promise of the Messiah, who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, his answer to the cries of Israel's mothers is powerful. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Judah. The name Reuben declares to all those who wish that that someone near to them love them that the Lord sees your affliction. And he has answered by sending the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as the head of his church. Jacob didn't love Leah because of the firstborn son that she bore. But the firstborn of all creation loves those who are afflicted and who look to him because they are God's chosen children. Husbands are called to reflect this headship and this love to their wives. The name Simeon declares that God has heard, God has heard the cries of those who suffer from being unloved on earth. God has responded by sending his one and only son, to love his church. He gave himself up for her. So that you as God's children may experience the, 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 the love that surpasses our understanding. You may find reconciliation in him who reconciles all things to himself. The name Levi points to our God who attaches himself to us. He shows how attached he is when he as head calls you members of his body. And so when the distance grows between people who loved each other, we can lift up our eyes to Christ and we can see that he is our head and we are members of the same body attached to him. The cry for justice in the name Dan cannot be satisfied in our relationships with sisters and brothers on earth, or husbands and wives, not even by giving birth to children, for we are all guilty until the Lord Jesus purifies us with his blood and we are justified in his name. God makes you righteous in the judgment and so like the name Naphtali already points out in the wrestlings of God, his son contends for us and we will prevail against, and we will prevail in the struggles of this life. When the names Gad and Asher, uh, Leah was expressing her belief that children were a sign of God's special blessing and yet she could not find satisfaction the Lord says, When you look to me, you will see that I am the fount of true and lasting happiness. He satisfies our longings in spite of our works. He is not like the women around Leah who only called her blessed because of her children, but He calls us blessed because we are God's children. No one who is in Christ needs to wager their happiness on the fickle feelings of other people towards them. Zebulun was a name that expressed Leah's desire to be honored in her home. And she would have listened to the loving, or if she would have listened to the loving voice of her her heavenly father, she would have been told that she herself is the bride of Christ himself. The name Joseph declares that God has removed the disgrace of his children not only by giving a barren woman a son so that the opinion of others might change, but by removing the very shame and stain of sin that disgraces our hearts. There are many different ways to see how God answers these cries of our hearts. I've given just a few examples to to help us to understand what the Messiah does for all of our lives. But the names of Jacob's sons on the breastpiece of the high priest and the gates of the new Jerusalem, they declare the work of God in his son, Jesus Christ, for us and in our place. And brothers and sisters, his answer is marvelous. His answer is gracious. His answer makes us want to to draw near to him every moment of our lives to, to experience that nearness. Israel's mothers cry out in the, in the cry of all those who struggle with the effects of the fall and the sinful hearts. And when we are in those dark places, brothers and sisters, let us not expect that any one person here on earth can say something or do something that can truly satisfy our need. Only God, in Christ Jesus, can answer our cries. For he is the only one who has looked upon our affliction in mercy, who has heard our cries as we we suffer from hatred and isolation, who has attached himself to us as he calls us out of the world to be his bride so that we can praise the Lord who takes our side in the judgment and wrestles for us as his body intervening, for us by showing his special favors, his fortune, so that we may be happy as his everlasting bride from whom he removes all disgrace, all stain, and all wrinkle. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, and Joseph. Amen.